Inspired in part by Sadia Hartman's Lose Your Mother, Lose Your Sister is a meditation on Black feminist thoughts and diaspora. Treating pop culture as a text, each week we will explore a different topic. Film, show, book, event, scandal, etc. A note on creation. As we set out to build this podcast together, as an exercise in friendship, cultural criticism, and diasporic exchange, we find strength in remembering that we come from a history of people who have loved and learned from one another across larger distances than this one. In the words of Sadia Hartman, I too live in the time of slavery, by which I mean I'm living in the future created by it. Situated in this future, Lose Your Mother considers how Black people find their way back to one another, interpersonally, artistically, and politically. Okay, welcome to our first episode. Hey. Hey, how are you feeling? I'm good, I'm good, you know, like, you know, I woke up. What can we say? Always. <laughs> we thank God for another day. Yes. <laughs> it is a global pandemic. Yeah. How are you? Um, I'm okay. I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm good. I feel that. I feel that. Yes. I'm, gonna, like, I'm excited. Take the nerves out. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, do you want to start with introductions? Oh, all right. How I volunteer as tribute. <laughs> <laughs> Make it sound like a sacrifice. <laughs> Hi. My name is Jordan. I am an Aries. We decided to include, had to let y'all know. Um, I'm from DC. I am a senior at Dartmouth and I'm a history major modified with like five different things that I will not name right now. Um, And I'm a writer even when I don't want to be. Oh, I thought that. My name's Liberty. I'm a writer from Croydon, which is a borough in South London. So big up South London, big up the ends. Um, I'm of Jamaican descent as well. Right now I'm based in NYC because I study at Columbia University. I'm a senior major in comparative literature and Caribbean studies. And if you don't know what comparative literature is, it's when you study literature across different cultures and languages. So right now I study French and Spanish in order to analyze the Francophone, Hispanic and Anglophone Caribbean. Um, I'm particularly interested in Black British history, cultures across the African diaspora, and writing nonfiction, fiction, and poetry in my spare time, the little that I do have, because this degree is stressing me out, but we move. Um, and I'm also an Aquarius, but I have an Aries stellium, so a lot of people think that I'm an Aries. I love that for you. Yes. You really showed, like, showed up and showed out with that description of, like, all the stuff you were doing. Now I feel like I was being lazy. <laughs> No, to be honest, you did more than me. I was being a little lazy. Maybe I'll tell y'all what I modified my major with. <laughs> Liberty's giving a description of comparative literature. Oh, sorry. Um, she gave y'all a dislocation real quick. Let me just say, I majored in history, modified with African and African American studies, mm-hmm. English, and creative writing. Oh, wow. History. Yes. You know, she's a jack of all trades. She and really is. Culinary things, all that. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't even know that you did um, creative writing with your history major. Yeah. It's <laughs> interesting because the departments are not in conversation with each other typically. But I was like, we all girls are going to talk. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we did it. I'm dead. Okay. So what media have you been watching and waiting through um, recently? 
what I've been watching. Um, I've been like in a real like nostalgia moment as of late. So most of what I've been watching is like old stuff. Um, but recently I've been binging Girlfriends, which like just, like they just dropped on Netflix. Yeah. Um, and that has been really fun because I watched it a lot when I was a kid when I wasn't supposed to be watching it. <laughs> and now I'm watching it as an adult and being like, these girls are messy and maybe not as aspirational as I thought they were. Oh, shame. Okay. Yeah. But how about you? Um, I just finished Big Little Lies. Ooh. It was excellent. I loved being in rich white women's business in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Monterey looks really beautiful. Like, I want to visit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, all of the actresses, apart from one, <coughs> cough, cough, um, were in their bags. <laughs> Meryl Streep was excellent. I never thought I'd want to throw hands <laughs> at Meryl Streep, but here we were. She played a very evil woman. Yeah. But yeah I really really enjoyed it I'm looking forward to the third season now I'm hunting for something else to binge actually you know what I shouldn't be binge watching anything because I have to study but (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if you like Big Little Lies you should definitely watch Little Fires Everywhere yes yes I will watch anything with Reese now yeah it's like another Reese project and Reese is like really in her bag also like honorable mention she is like an Aries queen so you know I, I go up for Reese Witherspoon Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not giving you like coastal Caucasians because they're in the Midwest, but like it's still, <laughs> it's coastal still a Caucasian. moment, and like she still gives you like an amazing, like crazy white woman performance, which I was enjoying quite a bit. I love that. You know, coastal Caucasian is actually very true because the waves in Big Little Lies were practically a secondary character. No, like it def- the beach is a character. Yeah, so. beach is a whole character. Okay, I'll be watching that. Yeah, All right. Perfect. Should we get into the topic of this show? Yes, yes. So this episode is dedicated to HBO's I May Destroy You. We both been watching it on different I guess you you got to see it like before I did because they were dropping episodes. Yeah. So <laughs> So in the UK they were dropping episodes like like two episodes a week. So I finished it six weeks before the Americans. <laughs> so so much for American exceptionalism. So you know, um, they ate us up on that one. They they we really did. <laughs> yeah. So I was watching it mad late, being like, "Oh my god, have you seen this?" And Liberty was like, "Done already." <laughs> like, wow. This is yeah, I was like, "I've been waiting." <laughs> embarrassing, embarrassing. But I guess just to run down, you know, what the show's about, I May Destroy You is an HBO BBC show written by Michaela Cole, a Ghanaian-British actress and screenwriter who was born and raised in East London. Um, So I guess just a heads up about the show, um, like a trigger warning, content warning, the show is primarily about rape and sexual assault. So please proceed with caution uh, because we will be discussing these topics. Uh, The show is very explicit. And additionally, spoiler alert, we will be talking about the entirety of the show. So if you haven't seen everything, you know, put it on pause, come back, you know, all that good stuff. So, um, I May Destroy You revolves around Arabella, a a young writer played by Michaela Cole, and how she navigates her trauma following her sexual assault after a night out. Cole loosely based the premise of the show on her own sexual assault, which she first probably talked about during her Metagot lecture at the Edinburgh Television Festival, which I highly recommend that you watch. It's on YouTube. It is long. It's like 
an hour because it's an actual lecture but um she touches on her difficulty breaking into and working in the industry as a black woman so it's really really interesting i made a story has then received critical acclaim for its multifaceted exploration of consent race sexuality trauma family friendship and more michaela calls written starting one other show chewing gum which i also highly recommend it's hilarious um funniest show um not as heavy as i made a story either so it's like a nice binge watch it's on netflix i think in america and but unfortunately only has two seasons and then outside of her own shows michaela cole has had supporting and leading roles in a bunch of tv series and films such as black mirror top boy and black earth rising and in short she's one of the best tv talents that the uk has produced in the past decade easily hands down period so yes, what were your thoughts? What what were your first thoughts on the show? So my first thoughts on the show was that it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Amen. So I was just kind of like, I think when I first watched it, I was just so taken aback by the fact that I had just never really seen a show that looked the way that the show looked, um, that focused on the kinds of characters that the show focuses on. Um, and I also just thought that Michaela like her pen game is oh, exceptional and I was just like wow like this is like it's a show for anyone but I really think that writers would particularly enjoy this show because mm. I think as much as it is about like her trauma I think it also is a lot about process and about how you create something um, and the conditions under which we might be forced to create things yes I especially see that in like the last episode, which was a masterpiece. I didn't like it at first because it was giving me, you know, in the last Twilight film when they all went to war. But you know, in the last Twilight film when they all went to war. Yes. And they ripped her heart out and showed it to us, and then they were like, "Oh, just kidding." Yeah. They were like, <laughs> that didn't actually happen. I thought that was the energy that show was giving me. <laughs> Like the last episode was giving me, and then I realized what Michaela Cole was doing, which was playing out all of these imaginary scenarios of um, uh, confronting a rapist as a form of catharsis. And then I don't know if she finally puts it to bed, but she's able to, in some way, move on after processing that. Yeah, I. That's so funny that you use that Twilight metaphor. It only worked because I was definitely a Twilight fan. Like. <laughs> did you like that i was like in my bag (laughs) i was was so upset in the cinema i remember being like 12 or whatever i mean for what it's worth i think i just like find vampires as a concept interesting so i watched all the vampire shows like i was watching true blood i was watching vampire diaries like it was like for me um (laughs) going back on topic Well, I guess um, a good segue from the vampires. Do you want to talk about blood or this <laughs> show? Because... So the thing I love about Michaela Cole is that she wants us to cringe. And yeah, <laughs> yeah there was a blood cut scene. It might be like the first time in British television, maybe American te- television too, when they like show the period blood cut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know who has the like list of what has and hasn't been shown on TV. But, like, I would want them to double check. I don't, <laughs> like, I've ever seen anything like that in my life. Um, yeah, and it was, like, really casual, too. And there's a lot of um, scenes of Michaela also just on the toilet, just chilling. Yeah. I think that's um, my favorite part of the show is just, like, how 
I don't know. I think I think sometimes you watch TV and people do things that like they don't do in real life, like wearing shoes in yeah. the house all the time. Yeah. And, like not wrapping their hair. Wait, yeah, waking up with no bonnet on. Yeah, but I think that mm. the show was nice because I feel like there were a lot of like real normal things that they actually chose, and I think it made her feel more like a real person. Yes. Yeah, it felt very comfortable, which is nice, which is a funny thing to say because the show overall has lots of uncomfortable scenes, but yeah. in between that, it did, it did feel very lived in. Yes, 100% agree. I think, I think they do a really interesting balance between, like, authenticity and absurdity at the same time. Absolutely. Maybe because it's just, like, absurd to be alive in a certain kind of way. <laughs> I felt that. <laughs> Me sitting in quarantine right now. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that. Um, and I think in terms of authenticity, it's probably one of the best shows I've seen um, that have represented Black Britain and, like, Black British young people. Yeah. Like, how did you see that as, like, a Black American? Yeah. I mean, I think, for me, I think I'd always been super interested in, like, consuming content from Black people from other places. So, like, mm-hmm. it's not the first time I've seen content from like a black british perspective per se yeah um one i was already familiar with michaela so i'd already seen her work before um but like even online like i used to watch the like trolling series like susila meke i think was her name the creator of trolling but like um i used to watch like a lot of her like mini videos that she used to have on youtube that were kind of focused on like black europeans in general because there were episodes for like different reasons but I always thought it was, like, super interesting to see what Black people were up to um, elsewhere. Um, yeah, I feel like I've always been, like, a fan of just, like, niggas everywhere. <laughs> been my energy. Um, so I think I was open to it um, in general because I was kind of just like, oh, okay, like, I would really like to see, uh, like, you know, how Black people in this context live. Um, and I think there obviously were, like, some moments where I was kind of like, oh, like, like obviously the like the colloquialisms or like the slang might be slightly different but I wasn't completely unfamiliar because I'm like a Twitter rat and like (laughs) I've been on the internet for a long time and I think there's a lot of conversations about diaspora on the internet so I was somewhat familiar I think with like how black people in the UK speak for example yeah Actually, something I found else interesting was because um, in the UK, I obviously watched on BBC and then now in America, I've watched on HBO Max. And the subtitles for the HBO show on HBO Max is more accurate than the BBC one mm. um, in terms of like how, like slang. Yeah. Of all the people I thought would mess up, <laughs> I had to be my own, I had to be my own colonizer. That's crazy. Yeah, I think it's the most, one of the most down-to-earth Black British representations I've seen on TV um, by a major network, which is lovely, especially the secondary school scene. I think it is the best representation I've found of, yeah, like, how it was when, like, we were at school, like, and then, yeah. um, but we'll get more into the secondary school scene later, but there was a lot to unpack in the episode. I think that it's not the best written episode because there's lots of contenders, mm-hmm. But for me, that was one that really blew me away. Yeah. So I was like, there's like layers. I think that was one of my favorite ones to watch, like compared to some of the other ones, which I think were like, I think they were all pretty well written. But I think mm-hmm. the the episode dedicated to, I guess, that secondary school scene is probably just the one that 
stuck with me the most because it just felt so like I don't know I think it was just so dynamic and that there Mm. were so many different types of relationships that were being represented um yeah and I thought it was just so interesting because I was just like oh wow like on one hand I really liked it because I was just like black people are funny everywhere and so that was you listen the banter was brilliant I was like that's exactly how we are nobody's (laughs) funnier than black teenagers like it's just not right almost vicious I was just like weak like listening to like how the kids were talking and like the alliance um and so that was fun but then I also thought it was just really interesting to see the dynamic between like Arabella and Terry and like the black boys at the school but then also their relationship to this white girl um Mm. I don't know it was just really layered and I thought that the show kind of offered an analysis without kind of beating you over the head with it Yes, that's something that Michaela does very, very well. Like, so many things were discussed in the show about it being, like, a PSA, um, like other shows do. Because, you know, like, sometimes it does feel like one of them school specials where they're like, now we're going to talk about racism. And it's like, yeah. how old are we? But, yeah, I think Michaela Cole's um, commitment to that and also to not her refusal to write simple characters and simple scenarios yeah. that are, like, morally black and white. I think it's also a brilliant part of the show. Yeah, I think I think there's a way that she approaches like her characters that is really non-judgmental, which I genuinely mm. appreciate. Um, I think it's why I like. We'll talk more about it later, but I think it's why I'm so bothered with how Kwame's character, like how his arc, turns out. Um, because I think one of the show's strengths is that I feel like for the most part, I feel like most of the characters are allowed to breathe in a certain kind of way. Um, and mm. even if there are things about them that like that might be problematic or like might genuinely be cause for concern I think there's a way in which the show itself doesn't necessarily like uh like bear any judgment on on the characters and I think it gives everyone their space in a certain kind of way yeah okay so let's get into like details so yeah the show's primarily about like sex and consent um but like a wide range of violation from yeah rape stealthing which is when you um take off your condom without telling the other person like which one which incident do you want to from the show do you want to get into yeah i mean i think the in like the incident that i guess like the entire show is framed around is arabella's like first assault in the beginning Mm. of the show which is like um the one that i think we i think we see her process that trauma like most um, intimately because it's so mm. psychological because she was drugged and so like there's a process for her to have to recover those memories in a certain kind of way um, yeah also I think I think we see a lot of the um, I don't know like kind of like bare bones of like the criminal justice system in a certain kind of way yes. she, also has to, um, she decides to report and like that whole process of her talking to like the cops um, and the process of kind of determining what what the system can and cannot provide her I think is a really interesting process that we don't necessarily get for some of the other traumatic incidents on the show where I think her process is more um personal and maybe even like communal but it's not necessarily involving like the state directly yeah and I feel like um that's also partially because there are other incidents of sexual assault that are much more subtle or there's more of a gray area and so characters don't feel as confident to report it to the police um 
yeah because for instance when um terry had that threesome and then afterwards realized that the guys had um planned it beforehand without telling her like she's in a different she's in a foreign country she didn't realize until like way too late yeah she might not remember those guys like how do you tell that to the police in a system that's already stacked up against you yeah i think there's a way in which the show kind of i think while it acknowledges that the state is there and that the state like attempts to assume some kind of authority over like exacting um what it calls justice or safety that like ultimately that people are really kind of on their own as far as negotiating a lot of those things yeah um unless of course you have the capacity to like establish accountability in community but like in a lot of these incidents like harm is caused from outside of community um Mm. but i do think there's some interesting moments in terms of these friendships where we really get to see what it means to sit with the fact that like your friend has harmed you or you have harmed your friend um where I think there are some really interesting moments where I think you see people attempting to kind of um, reconcile and, uh, you know, restore restore certain relationships after after harm has been done. Mm. Yeah, like, so two characters I think of when you mentioned that is, um, I can't remember his name, but the male friend who... Um, Arabella went out with at first oh, yes. who like left her yeah um I was yeah because for a minute I thought that he had set her up isn't it Simon pardon isn't his name Simon Simon yeah, yeah Simon um yeah I for the longest time I thought he set her up um and I thought the series was gonna explore that instead of um Bella's like process yeah um, with like trying to process her trauma, um, and then we find out later that Terry's the one who told him to leave Bella because she's like, "Oh, she does yeah. this all the time. She'll be fine." Yeah, I think that that relationship is so interesting because, on one hand, like we see that that like the aftermath of the assault kind of like puts him at like a far distance from the rest of the group like we don't really see him mm-hmm. and Bella interact much for the rest of the the show except for in these really tense kind of passing moments and then ultimately like in the end they finally kind of um they finally have a talk and they like realize that they like miss having each other in their lives but I think it's really interesting how how Terry kind of um like like there is kind of delayed I think Carrie's kind of yeah. having to take kind of accountability for her actions because she hides she hides her involvement in that situation for most for most of the show mm. um and I don't know I have a lot of weird feelings about Carrie as a character um but I do, Me too. I do think that their friendship felt real in a certain way because I do think I do think that like a lot of people have relationships like that um, mm. But I do think, in general, that Terry could have been a much better friend. Um, but I also think that Bella could have been a better friend. Yes, in many instances, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the scene where, I don't even know if Terry actually confesses, but Bella confronts her about it. And they sort of like silently decide that even though what Terry did was harmful, 
there's a forgiveness there but they're just looking at each other from what I remember and it's just heartbreaking because yeah when somebody close to you does harm but it's like you still love that person you still want them to be in your life but like how do you reconcile that yeah I think it was beautifully done yeah I thought it was really interesting I thought that it felt like that was probably the only relationship that I felt like that they were really able to kind of even begin to think about accountability in that way Mm. um but I think that there's a way that like the 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 I don't even know what you would call it but I guess the fact of them being friends and the fact that they you know are going to continue that relationship gives Terry the opportunity to kind of um to restore that relationship and to improve and to improve upon things in a certain way but I think some of the other dynamics I think when you don't have any present kind of pre-existing community with someone and you commit harm like what like what else is there yes I think we should get into like the secondary school scene because in terms of Terry being kind of a complex character where I don't know where I stand with her she seems to like enjoy I don't want to reduce it to drama but she sees she um sees traumatic um situations and she enjoys the drama of it or being a savior um because like there's a scene where she's like reporting on what happened in the classroom and she's very aware that someone has um has been allegedly raped at knife point but she's turning into like a spectacle and you're just like what like what's what's going on here i i was very disturbed by terry's behavior in the flashback um, and I really struggled with it, even though I think it made a lot of sense when we see who she is now. Yes. Um, that, like, even though, obviously, she's matured in certain ways, I think you still see that kind of um, desire to center herself. Yeah, um, yes, that's it, centering herself. Continuing to come up in a certain kind of way. Um, but I don't know, I was really kind of disturbed, I guess, in the the childhood scenes when she kind of decides to turn this like you know this young girl obviously it's a white girl and I think that that obviously plays a part in in why she does what she does but I do think it's interesting that like that she decides to turn this like this white girl's kind of outcry about being violated into this kind of spectacle um Mm. because it's like obviously we know that on one hand that the white girl is lying but we also know that the white girl has been harmed that she's just lying about the kind of harm she experienced I don't know. I think there's something interesting about how Terry exploits that moment for attention. Um, but mm. I think it's interesting because I think that, like, technically Theo is doing something similar. Um, I think I think in some ways, like, all the characters, like, even Arabella, like, when she decides to kind of become, like, an influencer, I think there's a way that she's, like, she's, like, exploiting her her own story, like, for a certain kind of affirmation. Um, yeah. And I think that Theo even as a child is kind of demonstrating an awareness of the fact that like you kind of have to make your pain legible in a certain kind of way. And I think she realizes that like if her story doesn't look like what everyone's kind of textbook idea of assault is, then like she probably won't get any support for what happened to her. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what you think. Interestingly, even though she knows that she needs to present her assault in a particular way in order for it to be recognized she does it within a racist context yeah. which is yeah um a white woman lying about a black a black man raping her yeah 
um, which is as deep historical roots. And that was a very difficult scene for me to watch because um, that like young man did violate her mm-hmm. and deserves to be held accountable for it. But at the same time, he doesn't deserve to be accused of rape yeah. in that regard, like a violent rape. And to know like if the police had gotten involved, how that would have yeah. how that would have ended up for him was very scary. And I think Michaela Cole captured um, the crisis that Black women can find themselves in where um, Black men can do harm, but when Black men are put in harm themselves, we will go up for them. Yeah. I think what made made the episode kind of leave a bitter, sweet taste in my mouth is the fact that, like, even in watching how, how Terry and Arabella kind of, you know, team up to kind of save the um the young boy who who gets accused and like you know to free him and then they have this kind of like spectacle outside yeah. <laughs> where they kind of like you know um like greet him as if he's come back from prison right um but I think it's interesting because I think while part of me like you know obviously enjoyed the kind of like their joy and like their laughter and their like excitement about having protected you know one of their own in a certain kind of way. I think it also disappointed me because I knew in the back of my head that if the tables were turned, that those boys probably mm. would not have shown up for them. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know. I think I was kind of like struggling with it because it was like, there's a way in which like, I obviously understand why Theo is not to be trusted in a certain kind of way. And I understand obviously that like, that like despite the harm she experienced like she is a white woman who wields a certain kind of power um I was kind of I don't know I think there was something that made me very nervous about how much they had embraced this kind of alliance status um and how much I feel like I knew that 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 reciprocity was probably not there and something that also disturbed me was that when um that boy was showing them the different like nudes mm-hmm. and sex videos they had on his phone yeah. of different girls Terry and Bella weren't like shocked about it at all but they didn't hold him up on it they would that part didn't concern them <laughs> in fact they called those, those girls skets and things yeah. um which the culture is like that mm-hmm. especially in secondary schools and so that goes back to um the idea of reciprocity because it could have been them yeah that the photos would have been of. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's a way that they, um, I don't know, I think that they tried to assume a certain distance from, like, you know, from the violence that these other women and girls were experiencing. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that in some ways it makes, I think it makes it hard for me to, like, completely, I don't know, enjoy, like, what, what their solidarity to these boys means because I think that their solidarity is, like, entirely predicated on, like, erasing erasing themselves in a certain kind of way right like they have to deny the fact that they could just as easily have been that girl in order to like mm-hmm. maintain this allegiance yes I don't know so it was like a part of me that was like yeah the alliance and then part of me was like like at what cost like what is the cost of this alliance yes at what cost yeah. like the tone switches as well from being concerned to then also chuckling at the banter and just the nonsense yeah. that like kids get up to 
was so well done. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Kwame? Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm Team Kwame. Um, anybody who's talked to me about the show knows that, like, I've been on a like free my nigga Kwame tour <laughs> <laughs> because I feel like he was done dirty. But he was done I dirty. Guess with a brief kind of background. Kwame is one of Arabella's friends. He is a a gay yoga instructor is he a dance instructor pilates i'm not sure but he's an instructor um and most of the show we kind of see him at work or like using like dating apps like grinder to like find places like places to be he's like he kind of never goes home um in part because I think that's it's, true actually. it's implied that like you know that that he doesn't necessarily have um support at home but also that he lives with his family um, and I think it's kind of implied that there are certain kinds of like, um, I don't know, homophobic. yeah, like certain kinds of homophobic conditions that we would associate with his home life that kind of require him to always be out of the house. Um, but I think it's interesting because I think we see Arabella's home and we see her kind of domestic space, but I don't think we ever really get to see Kwame um, find like a safe place to be. Um, I don't know but basically like one of the main kind of arcs in Kwame's narrative is that he um he goes on a he like meets up with someone from from the app basically after a consensual encounter the person like the guy that he went out with assaults him um and it's like a really kind of hard scene to watch and I like honestly like I probably closed my eyes for most of it um but it's really it's like traumatic just like obviously to see like what happens to Kwame but then it's also traumatic to see how he doesn't even like I think the reception he gets from his friends and also from like you know the the cops when he decides to report it's just I don't know it really disturbed me yeah. to see how much how little I think Kwame gets in the story. Yes, because especially when we're comparing the police scenes, um this the system doesn't serve Bella much, but it doesn't even consider Kwame and like black yeah. gay men. Um and yeah and like how they would go about dating and how sexual assault may look for them and how like police could help them in finding well um holding their abusers accountable and by that I mean like I remember during the interview with the policeman um the policeman asked um asked Kwame to give the name of the person who assaulted him and Kwame's like well we just go by usernames so we can't do that and then it becomes like very embarrassing and intense and there's a clear cultural disconnect that this police officer has not been informed about the way um, gay men will go about their sex lives. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think I just struggle in general with just how much humiliation comedy suffers, like, throughout the show, whether it's, like, humiliation in the form of just, like, being violated as someone who, like, who I think comes off very kind of, like, confident and, like, sure of himself and, and who we see have all of these kinds of, like, you know, um, like safe 
kind of consensual encounters in these kind of hookup situations and then suddenly finds himself in situations that like goes left mm. um I don't know but I think even like seeing him with the cops is like humiliating and then like later like the way his friends respond and particularly the way Arabella responds to some of his attempts to cope with that trauma yes are just like really disturbing to me and I I don't know I was really hurt by I guess the lack of support that he received from his friend in particular. Yes. And one of the ways he tries to cope is um, he try- he decides to sleep with a woman just to try it, I guess, because he felt um, violated by a man. And then, first of all, this woman fetishizes him because the white woman plays <laughs> rams while they're having sex, <laughs> which is a hot mess. And Kwame does not let her know that... Um, he identifies as gay and then after they have sex this woman is like being very very homophobic and so Kwame feels uncomfortable is like or oh, actually I typically identify as gay and then she has a very homophobic reaction to that and basically chases them out the house and then later Bella when um, Kwame tells the, recounts the story to Bella and Terry Bella I think she like out and out says that he assaulted this woman yeah. yeah, which is very homophobic. What are your thoughts on that? I, I don't know. It's just so messy. I think one thing that frustrated me about the way that Arabella approaches, I think, the topic around, like, harm is that I think I think there's a way which her character in particular kind of, like, assumes a position of, like, a survivor and of a victim. Mm-hmm. But I think there's a way in which it kind of erases the harm that she does cause yeah. in certain situations. And I, I feel like in some ways, like, we are just as likely to like commit harm as we are to experience it in a certain kind of way mm-hmm. and I was just kind of frustrated with like how she kind of develops a really kind of uh almost like dogmatic kind of approach yes. to what what it means to be vulnerable um and I think she kind of just assumes that because Kwame is one a man that that means that like he couldn't have been vulnerable to this woman but I feel like I feel like they know better. <laughs> like, I feel like they know better than to have responded to him that way. Um, especially because one, I mean, one we've already like previously in the secondary school incident, we already see that like white women do have, do have like a racial authority over black people, like regardless of gender in a certain kind of way. Mm. But I think there's also this like, I don't know, this weird kind of idea about what, the relationship between consent and disclosure, I think that was really unsettling for me because I think she kind of assumes that like, because Kwame didn't tell this girl that he identifies as gay and that most of his partners have been men, that that means that he like violated like the contract or like violated the consent in that situation. But it's like, I don't agree at all. And I don't necessarily feel like it's fair that she expects him to disclose in that way. Um, and like their expectation is not, is not placed on like any of the straight characters. Yes. Um, and I have a feeling that like, if Bella or Terry decided to like sleep with a woman as a one-off to mm-hmm. explore their sexuality, like would they feel the obligation to disclose the fact that they identify as straight and they're just trying something new? I think, yeah, yeah that, homophobia specifically lies on like yeah queer men yeah I felt like it was really like 
homophobic to even like imply that that was like that like he had some obligation to like disclose disclose that um yeah it's just weird like I feel like I feel like in a lot of ways like your like one-off sexual partners are not exactly entitled to that information um and that woman also didn't ask him like she didn't ask (laughs) um and it's like it'd be one thing if we were saying that she asked him a question and he lied but that's not what happened um I also think that like he went on a date with her thinking like that they were engaging as just like you know like individuals on a date yeah like he didn't didn't know originally that she had this like very racialized fetish um so like I mean obviously she mentions it because she just like can't help herself but talk about how I think she says she likes edgy men but it becomes very clear that edgy means black yes um but it's interesting I don't know I think it's interesting because I think it's very clear that like that she is getting that she is using him like in her own way so I think it was just really strange to kind of for her I mean because even she tries to flip it herself like the white girl tries to flip it and make it seem like Kwame violated her yeah um and I don't know I thought it was really strange because I think to some extent like when you engage in a certain level of like a casual hookup like is it not assumed that we don't know everything about the person we're meeting up with? Like, if you desire to know the sexual history of, like, like, the complete sexual history of your partners, like, either ask them or maybe, like, don't engage in, like, a one-off. But, like, I don't really get what her expectations were of him. And I think it just felt, like, extremely homophobic. I also imagine that maybe it, it like, messes with her particular fantasies because I think... yes. She has her own kind of like, like race play that she's engaging with, and I think the nuance of Kwame as an actual person, like you know, with with like his own identity and his own stuff, kind of messes up what I think she's trying, what she's trying to fantasize about in a certain way. Yeah, like black masculinity. <laughs> oh my days, black masculinity, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So I don't know. In general, I was like not here for that white girl. <laughs> and I just was like very disturbed I I was disturbed that Kwame even like still went with her after she made those race comments but I know that he was going through some things but I also know that just like in general like you can do that like I don't know I mean personally like I feel like if someone I mean I don't I don't know I don't I would it couldn't be me it could never be me but it wouldn't be me but some people you know some people do that and they engage they engage with people like that and that is unfortunate <laughs> that was put very diplomatically <laughs> yes. um, because I'm like really trying to think about how I would say it and there's like five different ways I would say it and it's like which one is appropriate and so I was like you know what let's just say unfortunate um, and that they're not well <laughs> not okay um, and you shouldn't tolerate that at all yeah to be very fair Michaela Cole in an interview with um Trevor Noah at the Daily Show does say that Arabella's been an arsehole when she goes up in Kwame but I feel like that's not properly explored in the show when Arabella yeah. isn't held accountable because if you're somebody who would agree with Bella at that moment then you do think that Kwame's done something wrong and there's nothing yeah. to challenge you on that front so again, like Kwame loses in that regard. I agree. I think I think to me it feels like one of the moments in the show where they really slip up because I on one hand I appreciate that the show is not like 
overly didactic in terms of like trying to to tell you exactly what its message is all the time. But I do feel like where Kwame is concerned to let Arabella say the things that she says to him and not have there be any kind of narrative comeback to the things that she says or like formally dispelling like yeah. what she puts out, I think it becomes kind of dangerous and I think it does leave this um this idea of disclosure out in a way that I think is like really like homophobic in Kwame's case. But I think it even kind of um like I think it even kind of shows up in some transphobic ways in terms of like yes. Karen's date with the guy she dates towards the end of the show. I'm not sure what his name is. But like Terry goes on a date with like a with a guy and she later finds out that he's trans. But like there's a way in which she kind of like um forces it. Kind of starts snooping. Mm. Like she starts snooping and like finding information and there's a way like that like she clearly is experiencing some kind of like discomfort or problem with the fact that she didn't know right away. But it's also like I don't know if I feel like I don't think that person is obligated to share that with you and I think if you want to know more about someone then you have to spend time with them yeah it's a first date I don't I don't understand this idea that you're like entitled to information about queer and trans people's lives like at all um and I think that like I don't know I think in a lot of ways I was I was disheartened by the girl's behavior on that but I think it also makes sense to remember that like even with the like vulnerabilities they experience as like cisgender heterosexual black women that like they still operate with a certain level of power mm-hmm. in regard in regards to like to queer to queer black people and to trans black people and so in that sense I felt like it was important but I also wish that both of those characters Kwame and the um the trans man that that Terry dates at the end, I wish that they got an opportunity to voice or like defend themselves in a certain kind of way. Um, because I feel like in a lot of ways, I feel like they don't receive any of the kind of non-judgmental protection that some of the other characters receive. Yes. And there's a good article on Digital Spy by Oliwateo Adiwole, um, talking about how the way that scene was set up between Terry um, and her date um, it was like a PSA for cis people in terms of like explaining a trans experience or trans dating experience yeah. to cis people, cis people rather than just trying to display a trans experience. So yeah, yeah, that was disappointing. But I guess, I don't know, McKenna Cole can do everything, but yeah, it's, it's a point of critique and a point of improvement. Yeah. I mean, on one hand, I think it's important to demonstrate that like, that like, you know, this this so-called kind of like unity or like community that we that we create amongst black people is complicated right Mm -hmm. and that we do that we do harm one another um and so in some ways I think that it's an important conversation to have but I do feel like it shows up in the narrative that she that like you know that like maybe that that's not that 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 she didn't necessarily think about those things enough um, yes and that maybe she should have had some other people involved in some certain parts of the show. Um, I don't know. I think it's hard sometimes like when you have one one person involved in a project. Like most shows have like writer's rooms 
But I think that when you get something that's just like the brainchild of like one individual creative, I don't know. I think it's always interesting to like wonder like what could have happened if like if this had been a, a project that was more collaborative in a certain kind of way. Yeah. Yeah, because um in case you didn't know, Michaela Cole's writing style was that she writes every word of a show herself. Um, that was the case for Chewing Gum as well as I May Destroy You, which is no small feat. That's Definitely not the way TV shows are normally written. And she also did something like 147 drafts. Yeah, 174 I drafts. Number somewhere and I was like, whoa. Yeah, um, which shows a commitment to her craft. Um, and it's amazing. It puts me to shame. Um, but yeah, it may not be the way she operates, but I do think that even if she doesn't have other writers on board, to have more people that she consults if she knows that um, a topic or a character that she's writing is beyond her experience yeah. or like scope of understanding. Yeah, I think I think Michaela is such a such an interesting person and like creator in general. And I think that a lot of her work, I don't know, I think in a lot in a lot of ways, I think a lot of her work is is asking questions that almost kind of don't entirely match her politics as an individual sometimes. Yes. Um, and so I don't know. I think it's really interesting because on one hand, it's like, well, it's hers. But then I think there's also a way that her work always seems like maybe it's like a little bit ahead of her. Yes. And I do think that's because like she drafts so much that when we hear Michaela Cole speak on like an interview or if she tweets off the cuff, we're getting like her first draft ideas. Mm-hmm. And so it's not as thought through or as progressive as her TV shows, which she's been writing for, like, time. And, yeah, that's, like, the final draft, and it's polished, and it's, like, much more thought through, and I guess has a lot more critical attention than if you're, like, speaking off the cuff. Yeah. No, that's real. I think that's, I'm going to start calling my hot takes first draft. <laughs> Thank you for listening. To continue this conversation, check out our reading list for this episode on our link tree, where you'll find all the sources we read to shape this discussion. Please leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening to, because we'd love to hear your thoughts. Keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter at at LoseYourSister, and email us at LoseYourSister at gmail.com. We hope you'll be back for our next episode in two weeks. Bye. Bye.